Parshat Chukas, our father and mother. We begin with the Pasuk in this week's Sedra. V'yiru kol ha'eda ki gava Aaron. And the whole nation saw that Aaron had expired. V'yivku et Aaron shloshim yom kol Beit Yisrael. And the entire house of Yisrael wept for Aaron for 30 days. Chukas. Not that they mourned or were sad. They wept copiously for 30 days. And who wept? Kol Beis Yisrael, the entire nation. Kol means that all of the men and boys and all of the women and girls, they raised their voices and expressed their grief aloud until everyone's eyes flowed with tears. Everyone. Now, about half a year later, the Am Yisrael suffered another tragic loss. Moshe, our teacher, the leader who guided the nation for 40 years, passed away. It was a terrible day. One of the saddest days in Jewish history. And the Bnei Israel wept for Moshe for 30 days. They wept. They cried. They pounded their chests. No question it was a dark day for the nation. And yet... Our sages point out something in those Pesukim that we may not have noticed. When Aaron passed away, it says that Kol Beis Yisrael, all of the nation cried. But by Moshe, it doesn't say Kol. The nation wept in general, but it wasn't Kol. It wasn't everyone. It's a remarkable thing to notice in the Pesukim. And there's no question that it's not an accident. The Torah is telling us something important here. A very big principle lies in this story that deserves our attention. But first, as an introduction, we'll quote a Gemara from Masechta Sanhedrin, Davav Amad Beis. The Gemara there is discussing the process of litigation in a Beis Din, when people come before the judges for Pesach Din. Two people are arguing over something, a business deal, let's say, and they come now to the Beis Din for a Torah decision, and the judges are considering the various arguments. They're going to issue a final decision. Now, one of the questions raised there is as follows. Does the Beistin have to follow the letter of the law? Must we paskin exactly like the Din says, no matter how much hardship it will cause to the loser? Or is it permissible to make a pishara? We won't give a full victory to the winner. Instead of following the letter of the law, we'll make some sort of arbitration. We'll find a way to make it that both of them come out satisfied. So Rabbi Eliezer ben Rabbi Yossi Haglili says, Nothing doing. Asur livsoa. It's forbidden to compromise, he says. A Dayan has to follow what the Dean says, no matter how much the other party is going to suffer as a result. No matter how much he'll be disappointed or the effect it might have on him, we don't care. You have to pass in the law of Hashem without any kind of consideration. And the Gemara says that we learn that ideal from Moshe Rabbeinu. V'chein Moshe haya omer. He quotes what Moshe Rabbeinu used to say. Yikov hadin et ahar. The law has to make a hole through the mountain. Let's say the law of the Torah, the Psach, is now confronted by a mountain. A mountain of human emotions, of human circumstances. Moshe Rabbeinu says, we don't care. The law must go straight on. Yikov Hadin et Ahar. It even has to tunnel through the mountain. The halacha must drill right through all of those feelings and emotions. And that's how to be Eliezer ben Rabbi Yossi Haglili Paskin. 
like Moshe Rabbeinu's Shita, that no matter what, we make no compromises when we deliver the Pesach Din. You cannot falsify the Torah. You must say exactly what the Torah says. Now pay attention. The same speaker goes on. The same speaker is talking, and he continues like this. That was Moshe, aval Aaron, but Aaron was different. Aaron was an Oyev Shalom, the Oyev Shalom. He loved peace, and he tried to run after it. Umeisim Shalom ben Adam lechaveru. He made peace between people. He made compromises. Aaron is being praised because he was gentle with people. He was yielding. Instead of driving them away with a fist of the halacha, Aaron used to caress them and make compromises with them. Everybody remembers that at the making of the eagle, Aaron participated because he didn't want to alienate the people. He thought, I'll try a softer approach and I'll win them over that way. That's how Aaron was. He was a compromiser. Now we have to understand what's doing here. Because the Gemara started out by praising the firmness of Moshe and saying that this is the proper Torah way. This Tana is upholding the derech of Moshe Rabbeinu. But then it seems like this same speaker turns around and now he's praising Aaron's system of making compromises. But that can't be. Both cannot be right. After all, what does it mean, the derech of Moshe Rabbeinu? It means being strict. It means saying the law as it is drilling through mountains to accomplish what's right. When Moshe came down from Har Sinai and found the Egel, he gave it over the head to Aaron. What did you do here? You can't yield just because the people want to make an Egel. Moshe was indignant. Nothing doing. And Aaron said, I saw the people with this and this. So I thought, I'd make an excuse for them temporarily. I compromised so that... No, said Moshe Rabbeinu, no excuses. Look what you've done. You made them, the Shimsir become a hem. Moshe was upset. He spoke firm words. Nobody ever was as firm as in the compliance with the Torah as Moshe Rabbeinu was. After Moshe Rabbeinu, we had great men, but nobody like him. He was the representative of Hashem's Torah in this world, and he did not countenance any yielding and he's swerving aside in even the smallest amount. And it wasn't just once. Over and over again, we see that he criticized the Am Yisrael bitterly for even the smallest deflection from the straight path of the Torah. You remember when, Vayiksof Moshe al Moshe became angry at the officers for an infraction of the Torah, Bamidbar. He became angry at Aaron and his sons. Why didn't you eat from the chatas? Again and again, Moshe Rabbeinu became angry. All the time, Moshe was there with his eagle eyes, looking over our shoulders. You have been rebellious with Hashem. All the time, he was telling them that they have to keep the letter of the law, that they have to keep becoming better. Now Moshe Rabbeinu never lost his temper. Moshe was in full control of his mind. But Moshe said, we cannot yield when it comes to Torah. The word of Hashem has to go on no matter what. And his anger was a public demonstration for the honor of Hashem. And so everybody was afraid of him. 
Don't think it was easy for people to live with Moshe. They knew that he wouldn't keep quiet for even the smallest infraction. And therefore, they towed the line of duty. They kept every smallest thing because they were always thinking, what will Moshe Rabbeinu say? What will Moshe say? It went into their bones. You know how much it went in? So much that even 2,000 years later, they were still thinking about it. You know, Flavius Josephus lived at the end of the Bayez Sheini, a few thousand years after Moshe Rabbeinu lived. Now listen to what he wrote in the book, Jewish Antiquities. It's a remarkable statement. There is still not one of us who does not act, even now, as if Moshe was present and ready to punish him if he should do anything that is indecent. You know, Josephus was an ordinary Jew. He was a politician. He wasn't the most firm Jew you could find. Far from it. And so he's telling us about the thoughts of the ordinary Jew on the street, the lower element. And he says that Moshe Rabbeinu lived on in their minds, in the minds of the Jewish people. When someone was thinking something wrong, he thought, what would Moshe Rabbeinu think of me? And that was a deterrent. Now, such a thing doesn't happen by itself. It was a result of something. It was a result of a firmness. Because when you crossed the line of Din, Moshe didn't stand for it. The will of Hashem must stand. If we are going to be the Torah nation, then the Torah must be allowed to drill through mountains if needed. That's the way of the Torah nation. And such an attitude changed us forever. That's how powerful was the influence of the one who said, Yikov Hadin et Ahar. Of course, we know that no one loved the Am Yisrael more than Moshe did. Moshe prayed for them more than anyone else. Right after he publicly castigated them for being mamrim, for being rebellious, he said, I prayed for you for 40 days and 40 nights. Devarim. You know what it means to pray for 40 days for someone? You have to love them with all of your heart. You'd consider yourself a tzaddik if you prayed for someone else for 10 minutes straight. And Moshe prayed for 40 days and nights. That's called Ahavas Yisroel. And yet the greatest love for his people was demonstrated by Moshe's strict and constant surveillance and his stern rebuke. Because that is what caused the nation to achieve the superlative excellence of a Torah nation. You know what it means to make a Torah nation? A nation that will be loyal forever. They have to be forged in fire. You can't have a nation of millions. It means men and women, boys and girls, wise people and not so wise people, soft people and not so soft people. You can't have an entire nation that is going to fulfill their destiny of being the Amasham unless they learn how to tow the Torah line. And that's why, at that time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu needed the most emphatic man that the world ever had. A teacher, a Rebbe, a ruler who was the strictest in every detail of the Torah. It could be. It wasn't always sugar and spice and everything nice. But we needed Moshe Rabbeinu to teach us what Torah means. It was just what the doctor ordered. Because the Am Yisrael knew that Moshe wouldn't keep quiet for the smallest infraction, and therefore they towed the line of duty. And that attitude towards the Torah that was planted then was expected to last forever. That was a model for every generation. But now we come back to our question. If Moshe Rabbeinu is the way forward, 
if Yikov Adin et Ahar is the way to make a Torah nation, then why is Rabbi Eliezer ben Rabbi Yossi Haglili in the same breath extolling the way of Aaron? He applies their wonderful words to Aaron's way. Shneemar Torat Emet Ha'ita Bifihu. In his mouth was the Torah of truth. Va'avla lo nimsa bisfatav. No injustice was found on his lips. Bishalom ubimishor halach iti. He walked with me with peace and uprightness. Verobim heishiv me'avon. And he brought back many people from doing sins. It's praising Aaron's way. And not just praise. It's praising him up to the sky. So who is right? Is it our strict teacher, Moshe? Or is it the road of Shalom, Aaron HaKohen? And the answer is, you need both. Just because the Torah nation needed Moshe Rabbeinu's firmness and his unyielding character, that's why we need an Aaron too. You know, when you have to talk with Baksener explicitly, so sensitive people are hurt. When you speak with a Lushan of strong rebuke, you know what's going to happen. It will arouse certain resentment. And so when Moshe said what he had to say, and he said it with teeth, some people were frightened by it. Many people naturally had a feeling within them of revolt. Don't you see in this place, when I say things that people don't like, some people never come back. I never see them again. Last year, or maybe it was two years ago, I had a group of young men who visited me for a certain reason. Someone brought them to see me. Now I knew that they were very lax in morality. So I told them, I said, the time will come for what you're doing. Blood will come out of places in your body that you didn't imagine blood could come out of. Their eyes popped out of their heads. Some of them never came again. When you have to follow that Torah principle of Yikov Adin et Ahar, there are going to be wounded people. If the halacha keeps on going, even through a mountain of people, it makes a hole in them. And sometimes feelings will be hurt. Some will be alienated. And so Aaron came along on the footsteps of Moshe Rabbeinu, and he utilized his abilities to console people, to caress them, and to be makar of them. And he was Rabim Heishiv Ma'avon. He saved many people from falling away into sin. And that was the plan of Hashem from the beginning. In order for the nation to gain from Moshe Rabbeinu the most that they could gain. And Aaron was needed too. Aaron was the complementary personality who helped to complete the personality of Moshe Rabbeinu. And together they led the Dor Hamidbar in becoming a generation that achieved Shlemus. And that's why, in the same breath of paskining that the right way is to be unyielding, the same speaker goes on and he praises the kindliness of Aaron. Because we need kindly people. And the Am Yisrael needs a Moshe Rabbeinu, absolutely. But just the same, it was necessary to have another one who stood by the side and consoled the people. He comforted them and cajoled them. Not to wipe away the firm words, chas v'sholem, but to help the firmness settle in. It's like when they used to make soap. You know how soap was made? Soap was made of two things. One is lye. The lye is what does the cleaning. But if you tried to clean yourself with lye, your skin would come off too. 
So you need some schmaltz. Lye and schmaltz together. The lye cleans it. But the fat soothes it so it shouldn't be too strong. And so Moshe Rabbeinu was the lie. He burned out all the wickedness from us, all the mistakes, by teaching us the straight and firm line of Torah. And Aaron Kohen was the gentle tzaddik. He was the sav. He was the Vaseline that came afterwards and soothed us and caressed us so that the lie could do its good work. I remember when Rav Yitzchak Zev Soloveitchik, Zichron Livrocha, passed away. There was a hespit here. And one of the older Rabbanim got up and said that it was a tremendous loss for our people. Do you know why, he said? Because up until now, everybody was afraid. We were afraid of him. But now, Ovad Gavra, the Mistafina we lost the one who we were afraid of. And now some people are going to do things that they would never have thought of doing before. They'll make statements they never would have said before. Because when there's a Gadol Hador who has a strong character, a Moshe Rabbeinu, who speaks up, then many people who have Azus and would do wrong things and say wrong things, they keep quiet. But if the generation is made up of leaders who are silent, who don't open their mouths, then the Balei Azus start speaking and doing things. Now it could be some weaker people don't appreciate that firm hand. It could be the more sensitive people, the weaker people, didn't cry over Rav Yitzchak Zev. But there are always weaker people who like softies. They want to be caressed and babied. Okay, that's important too. And that's why we need Arons to lead us too. Because we want the lie that cleans to have its effect. And therefore we appreciate the Aron HaKohens, those loving leaders of ours who caress us always. But number one is we have to tell all the Jews, you must toe the line. There are no concessions. Everybody must keep the Torah. You have to adhere to our laws. We'll always need a Moshe Rabbeinu to be a strict and truthful teacher of the Torah who won't allow any yielding. One of the great troubles of the Jewish people is they're too weak in dealing with Roshayim. Today, you have wicked people, ignorant people, who take over the synagogues and the institutions, and there are concessions, and more concessions, and that's how they finally arrive at nothing. Who knows what kind of terrible things would have been averted had we had Gidoyle Yisrael, like in the days of old, who spoke up. I remember the days of the Agudas Harabonim. They were very strong. They came out openly. I don't want to mention the terrible things that the reformers are doing today. The reform rabbis and the Mishk of Zacharniks. But when they came together and said, we should permit gay marriages, there should have been an upheaval, a revolution. We need leaders who condemn it in the strongest words possible. And the reformers would have known beforehand the Kabbalah's panim they'd get. They would have thought it over before they stepped in. You toe the line, or else, if you don't toe the Torah line, then goodbye. You're not part of our nation, and that would save us. The scabs would fall off, and we would remain the Torah nation. That's why when we look back on the great generation in the wilderness and think about all of the great things they experienced, we have to remember that one of the greatest of all the experiences was Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, our teacher. 
Everybody was afraid of him. And the nation was expected to appreciate his firm hand. Because we need that. When the Torah contrasts the crying of Kol Beis Yisroel over Aaron's death and the crying of Bnei Yisroel over Moshe, one of the lessons, the criticisms, is that we are expected not only to be afraid of Moshe Rabbeinu, we are expected to appreciate him. As much as possible, it should be Kol Beis Yisroel who appreciates Moshe Rabbeinu. If you understand the plan of Hashem, you would appreciate equally the Moshe's who are always saying, Yikov Hadin etahar. The Torah nation has to learn to open their ears to the firmness of the leaders who walk in the footsteps of Moshe Rabbeinu. Not only do we need strong leaders, but just as much we need a nation who wants strong leaders. That's why when the Hisachdus Harabonim in Williamsburg made their stand against television, they were successful. Because they had the people behind them. The Williamsburg Jews always meant business. And they still mean business. They're very staunch Jews. And they don't want their children to deviate in the slightest from the ways of their fathers. And it's easier to be a leader when you have somebody to lead. But if you would have taken the Rabbanim of the Hisachdus and put them in our Ashkenazi Kihilas or our Sephardi Kihilot, they'd have to keep quiet. They wouldn't be able to open their mouths because if the people are milk toasts, so there's nobody to talk to. You're lucky that I'm soft. I say the truth, but I'm not saying it in the way that I should be saying it. There's nobody to talk to here. There are a lot of weaklings. I know that people have it in their homes. Okay, so over here there's one sadik who means business and he obeys. He threw out his TV. Another tzaddik over there who also threw it out. But otherwise, there are a lot of weaklings. People are putting up a good front. That's all they're doing. Some of them even grow beards. They put on black hats and they act like tzaddikim. But I know what's doing in their homes. There's a ruah hatuma in the homes. And so, there's nobody to talk to. But if you have people who know what their role is in this world, people who want to be the Am Hashem, so they want leaders like Moshe Rabbeinu because that's the great opportunity for perfection, for the great perfection of achieving a Torah mind. Yes, we need the Arona Kohens too, absolutely. We need the Schmaltz along with the lie. But we have to know that it's the lie that's doing the cleaning. Life is successful when you have both the Moshe treatment and the Aaron treatment. We need both. It's a principle that we need strictness and we also need consolation. And therefore, every generation, every situation must have Moshe Rabbeinu's and Aaron Akohen's. You know, there was once a yeshiva and the mashkiach was a strict mashkiach. When he saw Bachar who didn't keep Sadarim, he said, I'll give you one more chance. Next time, I'll send you home. But the boy kept on missing Sadarim. Finally, one day he came into the yeshiva very late and the mashkiach told him, you have to leave. No more. The boy was hurt. He walked out of the base medrash door with a broken heart. But on the other side of the door, down the hall, the menahel was sitting there and he told the boy to sit there in the office and learn. Don't leave, he said. You know what it means to leave the yeshiva? Sometimes it's a death sentence. The base medrash is like a teva. In the teva of Noah, if you send somebody out, 
What's going to happen to him? He'll drown, chas v'sholem. Even if he thinks he can swim, he's in trouble. The truth is that if he thinks he can swim, he's in even more trouble. It's a terrible world today. Even if a boy sits in a yeshiva and doesn't learn anything, he's better off than going outside the yeshiva. And so, as soon as he's sent out, you have to catch up to him and be an Aaron a Kohen and help him find a place. Some place is good for him. Whatever it is, it's always Moshe and Aaron. It's Simol Doiche V'yamin Mikarev. And that was one of the great lessons of the Dor HaMidbar. When you are fortunate enough to appreciate both treatments, that's when you'll make the most progress in life. Why did the generation of the wilderness become the best generation in our history? Why is that our model nation? Just because of that. Because they had the benefit of a Moshe and an Aaron. That's a very important lesson you're hearing now. In the wilderness, we need a father and a mother to be formed into a Torah nation. We had the benefit of both a father, that was Moshe Rabbeinu, and a mother, that was Aaron HaKohen. And I use those words purposefully because that generation was a model, not only for the nation, it's a model for the Torah home too. In the davening we say, We're asking Hashem to have mercy on us, like a father has mercy on his children. But there's a question here. Why doesn't it say, like the pity of a mother on her son? That would make more sense. After all, isn't it the mother who has more pity? The answer is like this. Let's say one morning the father had to leave for work early, and so he's not home. And now the mother goes into Chaim's room to wake him up for the cheder. Chaim, she says, it's late. Get up quickly. You have to go to the yeshiva. You know, Ma, I'm really sick. I don't feel well. I can't go today. So the mother, she has a soft heart. So she says, all right, all right, get some rest. The father comes in and says, what do you mean you don't feel well? What's the matter? You have temperature? We'll take your temperature. No, I don't have a temperature. You have a sore throat? No sore throat. So the father is thinking, if I let him stay home now at 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, he'll become well and he'll go out into the street. No, I can't allow that. He says to the son, smack, go straight to the yeshiva. Now, had there been only a mother there, who knows what would have happened to this boy. Every second day, Chaim would have a sore throat at 8 o'clock, and he'd stay home from Cheder. And by early afternoon, he'd be outside on the street. Who does he meet on the street? Bums. How do you think a boy bumps into drugs? He found them outside in the candy store when he was bumming around that day when he was off from the yeshiva. And therefore we say, Karachim av albonim, because those are the mercies we need. A father's mercies are generally better than the mother's mercies because you need a mercy that's firm. It's Rachmanus and the Neshama. And so the father in the home is a Moshe Rabbeinu. He has an iron fist because he wants the children to toe the line. You need a father in the house, somebody to carry out the strictness. If there's a son that doesn't want to go to yeshiva, the father has to yank him out of his bed. No such thing as pity on him. The mother can come along and give him a kiss. Very good. 
But the father has to be a father. A son that doesn't want to learn, you have to force him to learn. Of course, it doesn't mean you can't give him inducements. You should give him bribes too, certainly. But don't yield. You know, sometimes a father comes to me and he's describing a problem with a child. And as he's talking to me, I'm thinking, what kind of milk toast are you? That's a father. He should have laid down the law. You're back in the house before dark or else. You think you're going to hang out on the street. No way. But he just can't bring himself to that. He's a weak link. That's not a father. A father must be firm. He must demand that the family walk in the ways of the Torah, in the ways of righteousness. I know it's not the style today, but sometimes the father even has to hit the child. That's also mercy. Choysech shivto soinei bino. If you hold back the stick, you're an enemy of your son. That's not mercy. It means you're his enemy. Once upon a time, even Goyim, Lahavdil, understood that. How many Goyim were saved from ruining their lives? The father, an old Italian Goy, took his boy in the backyard into the woodshed with a stick and gave him a drumming. And you know what? They didn't become criminals. Their lives were saved. I once saw a write-up. It said like this. In which country in Europe? This was a long time ago. Which place in Europe is there the least juvenile delinquency? And it said there that Italy was the place. And the reason was because in Italy, of all the countries in Europe, the father was the boss. His word was law. And therefore, there was the least juvenile delinquency. Because there was a fear of the father's patch. Only that today, There are child abuse phone lines and snoopers. They see you hitting your child and they call up the child abuse committee and a woman comes down with a notebook. What's this all about? So we live in a Meshuggah world where they don't want us raising our children. There should be no fathers in the home. That's what they want. But we say no. We don't want to become Meshuggah like you. And so certainly you must hit. Sometimes you must. Only must employ wisdom. I can't give you easy solutions, but you must be a father. If you do it right, words will help much more than hitting. Moshe Rabbeinu didn't hit the Kohanim when he saw that the Chatas was burned up. Vayiksof, he showed anger, but Moshe's anger was worse than hitting. They were frightened to death. And so if a father knows that the son is hurt by his father's displeasure... Showing displeasure is sufficient. Whatever it is, the father's role is to make sure everyone is towing the line. Of course, you need the mother too. You need an odd or a Kohen in the house. Let's say the boy got a potch, and now the father walks out. The mother caresses him and says, My sweet boy, I'm so sorry. Go to the yeshiva, listen to your father. And she sends him off with a piece of cake or a cookie, and he yields. He yields to the potch and to the caress. And so you need both of them, certainly. Your mother always came to console you, to make you feel happy, even though the father was strict. So you need both together. That's what a father and mother are for. HaKadosh Baruch Hu planned the family that way. The father is firm and the mother caresses. It's a ruination of the family if they break the natural arrangement that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made. There must be a father, and his mercies are no concessions, and the mother cooperates. Only she does it differently.
She cajoles and persuades the child. Obey Abba. He knows best. That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu made it. It's a natural thing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu made such an arrangement for the purpose so that the Torah family should always be successful because both father and mother play their role. Of course, sometimes the father is the weak one. Sometimes the mother is stronger. But by and large, that is the principle. Now, everything should be done with seichel. The mother cannot be too yielding. The mother also has to worry about the child's future. She'll let the children do what they want. She should always yield to them and make them feel good. No, of course not. The mother has to be a Moshe Rabbeinu sometimes too. And the father also cannot be cruel and ignore the child's feelings. But is the father going to bring home toys all the time to his children? Should he always let them do what they want? If he does that, he's not a father. He'd be failing in the performance that's required of him. And therefore, although a father has to use judgment too, he can caress and he can give toys too. But a father must still be a father. From the beginning, the father should say, do this, and he should also caress. The mother should also say, do this, and caress. Both things, with roiges and with rachamim. Beroiges rachim tiskor. Both things together. A man called me this week on the telephone, and he says that he has a son that doesn't listen to him. A young boy who doesn't listen to him. So I said, call him in and caress his cheek and talk to him. You should know that the words go into his head. Even though he may seem to not be listening, the words go into his head anyways. Give him a glet, a caress on the cheek, and talk to him. You know children also have burdens. They might not be your burdens, but in their own eyes, they have very big burdens. And you could put your shoulder under their heavy packages and lighten their load by encouraging them with kind words. And children who are encouraged in the home learn better. They are more neat in their habits. They are cooperative if they are encouraged. Parents who speak to their children should know that their words are heard. And not only if he's a good child, any child. So the mercy of a father also means to pat him on the cheek and say, Chaimel. You really have a good neshama, and I think you can make something great out of yourself. So let's do this one line in the Gemara together. I'm going to learn with you now. Just one line. And say it over with me. So Chaim says one line over. He knows one line in the Gemara, and he feels good that he knows it. You praise him up to the sky. You know what that means? You're putting him on his feet. And sometimes you give him something too. Give him half a dollar each time. Devar toider maut konot. Money helps. A kind glet and words of encouragement. Some money too can do wonders. You can build up a boy that way. But even that requires firmness. A line a day is still a line. He can't go outside to play until it's done. And he should know it. The end will be he might become a chacham too. A lot of boys who bummed around but they had strict fathers, and something came of them. And therefore, the father must be the Moshe Rabbeinu, the one who stands on principle. Of course, he has to be a man of consideration too, but he has to be a man of principle, because who knows what will happen in the long run if he allows the child to do as he wishes. 
And so he has to sacrifice some of that mercy that is in his heart. So you understand now why Kol Beis Yisrael cried for Aaron when he passed away. While for Moshe, not so much. Beis Yisrael means the more emotional element. Who doesn't appreciate a softie? Someone that makes everything smooth. And therefore the weeping for Moshe was less than the weeping for Aaron. But we see that Hashem's plan was to supply Israel with a stern father and a gentle mother. These are the journeys of the sons of Israel when they went forth from the land of Egypt, according to their hosts, by the hand of Moshe and Aaron. It was Hashem's arrangement whereby two leaders of such different natures headed the nation. And he wants us to appreciate that. And as long as you appreciate them properly and know that the father is a father and the mother is a mother, and together they accomplish the purpose of giving you the perfection from which you were created. That's how you'll become successful in this world. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Being firm. While everyone mourned the death of Aaron, only the wise people mourned the death of Moshe, who was a stern father to his people. It takes wisdom to recognize a father's mercy, to feel the love even when it is administered with sternness. This week, I will believe Ned that work on developing the attitude of being a demanding father. Rev. Miller always explained that the most important child one can parent is him or herself. This week, I will set aside a minute each day to berate myself sternly and exercise strict self-control so that I can improve in serving Hashem.